0: From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark, here with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice, and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for Zorba, the number to call is 800-462-7413.
1: And along with your call, some topics to talk about, Zorba. Yes, women. This is a very interesting study about women. They experience less pain when holding a loved one's hand. Mm. Mm, Interesting. I have a guilt trip on that one. Yeah, well, we'll (laughs) talk about your guilt trip. What's we go. And the American College of Physicians. The other study we're going to talk about is intensive blood sugar lowering. Are we being too aggressive with our diabetic patients? Talk about something that stirs the pot and gets everybody's ire up when it comes to diabetes. Scare in the medical community. Interesting study. I'm going to weigh in on this
0: specifically. I was in a hurry to get that recipe, so let's I know, and
1: that's because you love it. It's spicy soy chicken lettuce wraps. It's got spice, it's got soy, it's got chicken, it's got lettuce. I know how much you are into lettuce.
2: Woohoo! It's okay. I like lettuce. Yes,
1: you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) Don't make fun of me. (laughs) 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 The phones
0: now, Zorba. Let's get there at 800 462 7413. 1-800-462-7413. Our first caller joins in now, Zorba, from Highland, New Jersey. Hi. Hi. How can
1: we help?
3: So, long-time listener. I'm a huge fan. I um,
1: Thank you, thank
0: had, you. I
3: had listened in a couple weeks ago, and you were talking with a woman who was having issues with her skin. And I can definitely relate. I've been a long-time afflictor with eczema. I've had eczema since I was about seven years old. Um, which was mostly on my legs as a child, and it went away. I moved to California for about seven years, and it cleared up, and I don't know if it was, you know, environmental. I was, you know, out in the sun more, eating a lot healthier, but I've since moved back to New Jersey, and in the last few years my eczema has started to come back. And the last year specifically, it has now gotten, like, completely out of control.
1: Oh, my goodness. So uh, a a bit more to that, California. You were there for seven years doing what?
3: Well, I had, you know, been living in upstate New York Mm -hmm. and going to college there. And after I graduated, I moved out to California, and I was a personal assistant, but I took up surfing, and I was Mm -hmm. riding my bike to work, Uh and, you know, you wear a lot less clothing, so I was getting a lot more sun, and I always noticed as a kid. My eczema did improve in the summer,
1: right? And in, and when you were in the sun, and the sun has a lot to do with it. Being outside, uh, and you yes. can't be outside as much in New Jersey. That's for sure. Certainly right. not
3: in the winter yes. time. It's thirty. It's thirty-six <laughs> degrees right now with a, a blustery thirty-mile-an-hour wind. So I'm not really going out in my shorts
4: today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're obviously not from Wisconsin. Thirty-six is warm in Wisconsin. They go out. And I, I hit. know. I have friends in Canada, and that's like
3: summer weather for them. <laughs> (laughs)
1: So, what do you, uh, how are you treating your eczema, first of all, in a non pharmacological way? What are you putting on it? What are you doing for it? Anything
3: specific? Okay, so I actually do very little. Like, I noticed I kind of was using a lot of lotions as a younger child, and it didn't really seem to do much. So, I, A, I stopped using um, general, like, body wash and Mm -hmm. soap. So, when I'm in the shower, I just wash with, you know, warm water. Okay, good. And. I would occasionally, like, if the eczema is, like, actually irritated, mm-hmm. like, reddish and mm-hmm. puffy, my doctor has prescribed just, like, a topical, you know, low-dose steroid in the past, right. and when it was really bad, I've had, you know, a week of an oral steroid.
1: Of an oral steroid. And it also,
3: it because it, get, it gets on my hands, mm-hmm. and it's, like, I cook a lot. I have a young yeah. child, so mm-hmm. I notice, you know, if I don't wear gloves in the kitchen, I would get, you know, like, kind of like a dermatitis reaction from cooking, and then that would you know, make the eczema also blow up as well. So my fingers and my joints, especially on my fingers, would get really swollen and puffy and the skin would start cracking. So that's when I would use either the oral steroid or the topical.
1: Right. So going back to this, you shower how often? You don't want I to shower. You don't want to shower as much when you've got eczema. You don't want to get the oil out of your skin, the natural oils that are your skin. So one of the goals is to shower less versus showering more. You may want to wash certain areas of your body, the areas you know where you sweat. Obviously, you don't want to wash your Americans just wash their skin all the time, and we wash the oil off. And in eczema, you don't want to do that. So you want to minimally I shower. Yeah,
3: definitely don't use soap. Yeah, I don't use soap on my legs whatsoever if I don't have to, and right. I shower probably about three times a week.
1: Right, and that, so that's your goal. You wear gloves when you wash dishes, you said, all the time?
3: Um, I wear gloves when I'm um, chopping, like, fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily wear them when I wash dishes. We, I do use very gentle no. and mild soap Why, you've in got my a,
1: kitchen. You should 100% of the time wear gloves when you wash dishes. Huge difference. Anything that gets rid of grease on a dish is going to get rid of oil on your skin. So what you want to do, among other things, is get gloves and you just get many pairs of gloves. And whenever you're washing anything, dishes, cleaning up the house, cleaning up the counter, uh, you know, obviously not with with your baby. You know, you want to use your, mm-hmm. you know, because you want to touch your baby. But otherwise, you want to use gloves all the time. Gloves will make a huge mm-hmm. difference in your hands because they protect you. Anything that's gonna, as I said, is gonna clean you up, is gonna get rid of the oil on, oil on your hands. Um, Aqua for Eucerin are those the things you put on your, on your skin? Have you heard, you've heard of those? Or I've heard
3: of them. Yeah, I just typically use um, the Honest brand because mm-hmm. my daughter, I use that for her diapers, so uh-huh. I just get the lotion through them on uh, mail order. So I use like Honest brand. It's just like a You know, no fragrance, Mm -hmm. no fuck, no musk kind of body lotion. I I would...
1: I would go to the store and I would get go to your local drugstore. Get a small container of Aquaphor and a small container of Eucerin. One is tackier than the other. These are they've uh-huh. been around for forty years. They're fragrance free. They make a difference uh, on your skin because they actually keep in the moisture. And sometimes lotions, even though uh-huh. they're lotions for your daughter, can actually do some drying area to your skin. And sometimes things that are mm-hmm. tackier can make a difference. And once again, the goal is to use any of the steroids, the mild or certainly the potent steroids a little bit more. And then a final thing you've got you've got a mild Steroid to use on your skin. Did your physician give you a more moderate steroid, or a steroid that's a little bit stronger than mild when you are really bothered?
3: Um, I actually have a appointment because my physician wasn't mm-hmm. comfortable doing anything stronger than just kind of a baseline. So I have an appointment with a dermatologist in a couple weeks.
1: Because you really there's triamcinolone. Uh, we call it TMC cream. Is mm-hmm. a, a mild. It's not a mild. It's sort of a moderate potent steroid. Very inexpensive tmc cream talk to the dermatologist about it comes in huge amounts doesn't cost very much Mm -hmm. it's generic on the copay and usually two and a half percent hydrocortisone is a good start it's very mild Mm -hmm. you can use it even children can use it and then if that doesn't work but you don't really want to take an oral steroid what you'd like to do is go to a somewhat more potent cream and see if that will work and then the third thing is either to a stronger cream or a, or a you know a small you know a sh- very short course of oral steroids. But get the Aquaphor and Eucerin before you go to the dermatologist, so you can tell the dermatologist if it'll work. And put on those gloves.
3: Yeah.
1: Cheap, if it works, mm-hmm. is best. <laughs> I, I appreciate that as a mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your baby is how old? She's two and a half. Oh. Uh, Hard to life. My grandchild is two and a half. It's a great, it's a great. And she's black with
3: perfect skin, so knock on wood that it stays that way forever. Oh, That's wonderful. a good genetic. May it stay that <laughs> way forever. So,
1: well, thank you so much for your call. Share, thanks for sharing all of that.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the advice. Take care. Bye bye. You're welcome. All right, bye bye.
0: our number, that's 800-462-7413. Zorba, before our next call, I mentioned a while back that uh, I'm feeling a little guilty about this, a study Uh showing that hand-holding can really reduce pain. Now, Monica not that long ago, I had a pretty uh, painful foot mm-hmm. injury, right. and uh, right. uh, the pain lasted a long time, and I didn't really do much hand-holding uh, during that you time. You never held her hand the whole time?
1: I've no, nev- never. How about when she was having trouble getting up and down the <laughs> stairs, Did you hold her hand then? I'd say, come on, hurry up.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although it's not funny when you're actually doing it. No, I know. Uh, but... By, and by the way, so there's a this particular study looked at physical hand-holding. You know, mm-hmm. Not actually, yeah. I'm there for you, but hand-holding. Interesting study. First of all, it was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So Proxy, which is sort of the nickname, that's a very prestigious journal. It's like the New England Journal, JAMA, BMJ. It means that it's peer-reviewed. Other people in this field have looked at it and said it's good research. And Mm -hmm. that's very important when you look at research. There are good journals and there are junk journals. There are journals that are actually scientifically based and then journals that are produced uh, and basically, uh, you know, basically drug companies support them. And that this is not one of those journals. So – The experiment was to try to find out whether or not it made a difference. This only applies to women. I don't know if it applies to men, but Mm -hmm. it's only women. So here was the experiment. Very interesting. So first of all, women were holding a tube and hot water was pumped into the tube. Okay, So they're holding a tube.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: There's hot water pumped into the tube. And they have to rate how painful that tube is. Okay, They have to rate it from 1 to 10 in different situations. In one situation... The man was sitting next to the woman and held her, held her hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. In another situation, the man sat to the woman but didn't offer a hand at all. You know, mm-hmm. he just sat there mm-hmm. but did not offer a hand. And in the other situation, the guy wasn't there. He sat in a nearby room. <laughs> so he just sat <laughs> yeah. sat on the other side. But they did it, and they didn't tell the volunteers what they were actually doing. They just, you know, they just set it up like that. When they looked at the results, they found out that when a man held a woman's hand, and it may be the same vice versa, by the way, that a woman basically would rate the pain as half as bad. Yeah half as bad when the hand held a woman. This is very important for women going through C-sections and surgery and like that. And that was very, very interesting. They found out that a man sitting there didn't do very much, and the guy in the other room didn't do squat. I mean, that was the case. Now, there was another thing they did also, because they measured EEG printouts. These are brainwave printouts during part of the study, and they found out that when a man's EEG was similar to a woman's EEG, that maybe there was a synchronicity and it had a higher effect. Mm. That maybe men, and these are men who had a relationship with the woman, they were married or they mm-hmm. were living together or mm-hmm. whatever. And so maybe there's also a synchronicity between men and women. It could be men and men and women and women, of course, that actually has to do with this. So looking at this overall, I think that it just happens to be a study where a man is holding a woman's hand. I think you can easily apply this to a man holding some man hands, a woman holding a a woman's hand and vice versa. It may be that just holding the hand is very important yeah. for the reduction of pain. Not at
0: all a surprise to me. That makes perfect sense to me. It's a feeling of pleasure to have someone
1: yeah to hold someone your hold hand. your hand. It would it reduce the pain. It makes sense. And it makes sense, you know, because it's it's kind of innate. You do it as a child. You know, the parent holds your hand. You feel secure. All those things that obviously change what's it changes what's going on in your brain. Interesting. Uh, there's something else that's going on in the brain. That's hard way yeah. that says, I'm here, don't worry.
0: Really interesting.
1: 800-462-7413
0: if you have a question for Zorba. 800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hi.
2: Hello, how are you? Fine,
0: how can we help?
2: I am 53, and I'm 135 pounds, and I have this question because my cholesterol is really high. It was
1: 247. Uh-huh. What is the HDL, the good cholesterol, and what's the LDL, the bad cholesterol? Do you know those numbers?
2: Yes, HDL was 74.
1: Wow, that is incredibly high. You are in you are certainly in the upper 5 or 10% of good cholesterol folks, okay? And your LDL or bad cholesterol?
2: 153.
1: 153. So that's a little high, not not super high at all.
2: I'm usually never over 200. Uh-huh. So yeah.
1: Well, your HDL is spectacular. I mean, take away the HDL, you know, move it to a 35 or something like that, and your cholesterol would be 207. I mean, it would be closer around the 200 range. But your HDL is off the wall good. Uh, family history, mom and dad. Yeah. Somebody lives to be an old age.
2: Grandpa, my mother's father.
1: Uh-huh. How old?
2: 90.
1: 90. His brain is intact?
2: Well, he did pass away years ago, uh-huh. but he was...
1: Perfect. He yeah. was perfect. You've got his genes. That's what you have. You've got his genes. That HDL or good cholesterol is highly protective. There's really good evidence that people with super high HDLs, once you get like over 60 or 70, um, that these other cholesterol numbers have you know have minimal impact. So a few other questions. Obviously, your height and weight are good. Are you a diabetic? Um, no. Okay. Uh, do you exercise? I do
2: but mm-hmm. I've been slacking the last year, so uh-huh. I think that's slack?
1: why. Slack? <laughs> why, why are you slacking off?
0: You know? I have
2: two new grandbabies, so I... <laughs> I thought I was getting enough exercise with them, but I guess it's not. Um,
1: that counts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exercise,
2: so, um,
1: that, that counts. Yeah. That counts. How's your diet?
2: That was my other question. Well, my main question was about fish and stuff. And fish uh-huh. fitness, but my main, I do a, a 80% gluten-free. Uh-huh, okay. And I, and I noticed a uh-huh. lot of that is, uh-huh. is really high in...
1: Yeah. I'll tell you the best diet in the world. The best diet in the world is the Mediterranean diet, proven in large studies. Every other diet has not been proven in large studies. Does it work? Perhaps, but we don't really know. So the Mediterranean diet is fish twice a week, uh, moderate amounts of animal protein. Certainly, you know other than fish, you know pork, beef, chicken, not large amounts. Plentiful carbohydrates, not an overdoing of carbohydrates. Fruits and vegetables, not very much on the croissants. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and other pastries. Yes, they may have a pastry in the morning, but it's a pastry. Moderate amounts of bread. Look up the Mediterranean diet. That's the diet to do it. Unless a little you... chocolate is okay. And a little cho- chocolate is good. Chocolate. That is
2: part of yeah. sharp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Now I'm allergic to iodine, so that was my other question. I've never taken fish oil uh-huh. and uh-huh. So do, do
1: you eat do you eat fish?
2: I don't. Mm-hmm. I tried salmon mm-hmm. this weekend with my husband and I I thought it was disgusting. I took two bites. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would like something that's just real and doesn't look fishy that mm-hmm. one like chicken? Like maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> like cod
4: or...
1: Yeah. Well, you could try... You know, you can try other fish if you want to. Fish oil has not been proven to make a difference. It is a cosmetic reduction in cholesterol. So... Cosmetically, your cholesterol may go down, but it has never been proven to reduce heart attack and stroke. And when I discuss that, I always get anti—I always get—I always get emails that say, "How can you be against fish oil? I've been taking it for years, and I love it." I mean, who loves fish oil? Who's <laughs> taking a capsule? Obviously, there's a oh, whole fish oil people out there who just hate me when I say it. But I would not recommend fish oil. I don't think it's a good idea. But since you have been eating fish, you may find a type of fish that you like, such as cod, a white type of fish that has very little taste. And if you can't, that's okay, too. A Mediterranean diet without fish is fine. You have great numbers. That's the big Does issue. Does salmon count? Yeah, salmon is the be- is one of the best fish. Okay. But I mean, if you don't like the taste of it, you're not going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't smoke cigarettes, obviously. No, right? I yeah. don't drink. Yeah, you're a public radio person, but <laughs> the, <laughs> you don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> They're not just teetoters on public radio. I've been I've been to some of those public radio conferences. Carl can tell you, and they know how to drink. Let me tell you something. Not on the air. But when they're off duty, those guys and women know how to kind of belt it down when they want to. No, I'm just kind of making... Can I ask
2: you another thing? Should sure. I get a stress test? since my fa- On my father's side, it is all heart disease. My not
1: at all. I don't think you no. need a stress test in the least. No, you've got a great HDL. Okay. You're a woman, so you're less likely to have heart disease. You've got longevity in the family. You do not need a stress test. Okay. You're, and you're on a reasonable diet. Look more Mediterranean. You've got to, if you have to reduce gluten for, you know, because of, of uh, bloating and other things do that uh, and if you can tolerate fish that's great but I think you're doing great HDL of 74 people would die okay. for an HDL that high
2: okay well thank you for taking my call you're welcome you're welcome I want to say the two of you just are a joy to listen to and you remind me of the odd couple Felix and Oscar? Every time I hear you, I think
4: that Felix and Oscar.
0: Okay, who's the uh, nice one and who's the I'm irritating sure. one? You're
4: Felix. else. Thanks
0: for the <laughs> thanks a lot for the call. You're welcome. And for Wisconsin Public Radio uh, employees listening, Zorba was the one that, talking about the
1: heavy drinking. That wasn't I didn't say me. heavy drinking. I said they know. I said they knew how to drink. I did not say the word heavy. I'm very politically correct when it comes to that. Anyway, before we take a pause for a
0: cause, Zorba, let's crack open the Zorba Pastor on your health inbox and tackle a. Listener email. This one came to us from Rachel in Knoxville, Tennessee. The subject line on her email was Does this count as
1: cannibalism? Here's what, she, here's what she wrote. Right up my alley. Yeah. I am the world's authority on cannibalism. That's, that's exactly right. And, you know, there are always the articles about cannibalism <laughs> that somehow seem to go to the site, but they never mention it in the mainstream media. Okay, let's talk about cannibalism.
0: Dear Zorba, she writes, since I was young, I've had a habit of gently chewing at the skin on my lips and inside my mouth. <laughs> I think it's harmless, and I find it enjoyable, and sometimes the skin seems to just want to slough (laughs) off anyway. I don't chew deep, and I don't draw blood. My dentist told me that I should stop it because it can lead to mouth cancer. Is this true? I'd appreciate your opinion, and I love the show.
1: I'm glad glad she loves the show. First off... This is not cannibalism. I want to tell you that. I can tell you with 100% assurance when you chew your own lip, it is not Not cannibalism. However, it's... I don't think it leads to cancer at all. I don't think there's any evidence that chewing your gum and doing that with your teeth is going to lead to cancer. On the other hand, it's really not good for you because it's an obsessive thing, and it may lead to other tooth problems. I think the dentist is scaring her because the dentist does not want her to continue chewing. So my recommendation is stick with, with what the dentist said, but don't stick with what the dentist said would happen if you continued doing it.
0: <laughs> Have a healthy living, question for Zorba.
1: Or something about cannibalism.
0: (laughs) Or maybe you just want to chew him out. Just (laughs) post it to our Facebook page or send it along in an email to Zorba
1: at WPR.org.
0: More of your calls to come at our recipe, of course, all coming up on Zorba Pastor and Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Tom Clark with Family Docs Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number again is 800-462-7413. 1-800-462-7413.
1: But before our next call, Zorba, spicy soy chicken lettuce wraps. Right. And we're going to talk about lettuce wraps, different chicken that we're actually going to use in this, uh, how to make this really tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like lettuce wraps. I never had them as a kid. I mean, you go into a restaurant and you put stuff in the middle of lettuce and rolled it up. I mean, but it's got crunch. And think about it. It's crunch without carbohydrate. I yeah. mean, most of the crunchy stuff we have is carbohydrate, like Cheeto, perfect example <laughs> of, of crunch. Without anything healthy at all. Uh, do you like, you like chicken? Oh, yeah, I like chicken. And you like soy. I do. You like soy. And you like lettuce. I do like See, lettuce. See, so you'll like this recipe, okay. right? Okay. And listening. there's no tofu. I won't zone out like you I know. We haven't do. done we have not done a tofu recipe in years. I mean, it's been it has been a long time. We are going to do a tofu recipe from the vault. We just have never done that. I can't wait. Yeah, I know you <laughs> can't. Right? Okay. So uh, start out with a teaspoon of sesame oil. A little tea sesame oil. Okay, two boneless, skinless chicken breasts, diced. Mm-hmm. Two boneless, skinless chicken breasts diced. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about that. So one of the way to make chicken breasts taste even better is to brine them. And there are a number of different brines that use sugar and salt. Easy way, Google brining chicken and it'll Mm -hmm. pop up. There are a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of different ones that pop up. It's it's pretty irrelevant, but if you brine the chicken breasts for an hour, it'll put a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar inside the chicken breast and it tastes better. Oh, I believe it. Because chicken breast, when it dries out, does not taste good yeah now the other thing is if you don't want to dice this if you want a different texture when after you cook it you pull it apart you don't dice it so you can pull it apart so there are a couple of variations for this that'll be very good and if you want to have dark meat instead of light meat yes you'll have an oilier it won't be quite as healthy in terms Mm -hmm. of the fact it'll have you know more oil but some people like dark meat and don't like my
0: taste as good
1: you like white meat. I like I white meat. Yeah. And for this, I recommend uh, brining, I recommend white meat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, two garlic cloves minced. Two garlic cloves minced. That's right. That's right. Uh, t- uh, three ta- you're going to use three tablespoonfuls of soy sauce or tamari sauce. Tamari is a type of soy that just tastes a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, three big tea soy sauce. Right. Now, my, uh, my son Eli is married to Sha. Sha is Chinese. I say soy sauce and he goes, which kind? Because there are many uh, kinds, yeah, and yeah. it's not just high sodium and low sodium, but soy sauce have different tastes. My mm-hmm. favorite happens to be Kikkoman, and the reason is uh, it's made in Wisconsin. <laughs> so I use it. I like the taste of it. It's been made in Wisconsin forever. A tablespoon of freshly grated ginger. A big tea, freshly grated ginger. Now, where do you keep your ginger, Tom? <laughs> at the ginger store. <laughs> at the ginger store. One of the things I do is I freeze my ginger, and then when I want to take it off, I just take it out of the freezer and grate it right away. Grates okay. very, very easy. Okay. Then you've always got a ginger. Um, half, uh, half of a tablespoonful or more of sriracha sauce. You want some sriracha sauce.
0: Half a big tea sriracha sauce. Yeah,
1: and whatever you're looking for. Sriracha sauce is, you know, that hot sauce with the rooster on it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, which is, of course, you know, probably after Heinz, the biggest seller of tomato sort of Mm -hmm. saucy stuff. Ketchup. Uh, Two tablespoonfuls of sesame seeds. Two big tea sesame seeds. A tablespoon of crushed peanuts. A big tea crushed peanuts. And a couple of ways to crush your peanuts is to put it on the floor and hit a hammer and crush it. It's hard to buy crushed peanuts or put it in a food processor. Um, I have crushed peanuts around the house all the time. I take a whole container, put it in the food processor, crush it, and put it back, and then I keep it sealed. Hmm. Um, And 8 to 10 lettuce wraps. 8 to 10 lettuce wraps. Let's make it. Good. So in a medium sauté pan over medium heat, add the sesame oil when it's hot, add the chicken cook for 5 to 7 minutes until it's mostly cooked. And again, whichever way you're going to make the chicken diced or Otherwise, mix in the garlic, soy sauce or tamari, and then the ginger and sriracha if you'd like to, and the sesame seeds. Cook for another two to three minutes or longer till it's fragrant. At the very end, shut it off. Add in the crushed peanuts. Then spoon the chicken mixture into the center of lettuce wraps. Garnish with some sesame seeds, extra little squeeze of sriracha, Mm -hmm. and you've got something that looks good, tastes good. Feels good. And yeah, now here, here's a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid how question. How
0: hard is it to keep that lettuce or to wrap that lettuce? Because I, I picture a lettuce wrap
1: as lettuce just coming apart and you know yeah, what I mean? Ahead. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. Well, you know what, Tom? Uh, next time you go to the grocery store, which I know you go every single day to I, do I actually do, do shop. <laughs> I actually do. Uh, uh, yeah. Otherwise, how are you going to have anything to eat in the house? Yeah. I mean, somebody has to go buy the tricks and the other sugar cereals <laughs> in, order to, in order to eat <laughs> I them. I don't eat yeah. Trix. <laughs> <laughs> I eat Fruit Loops. Fruit, Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. <laughs> Fruit Loops. What you want to do is you have to pick out lettuce that you can roll. So you either go to Big thing of iceberg lettuce, and yeah. use the outside leaves because those are usually very easy things to roll. Mm-hmm. Some people use uh, w- use romaine lettuce and do it, you know, do it lengthwise. But that's it. You've got to choose the lettuce that you're going to like, and then choose how to roll. But no matter what it is, it's a messy thing. But that's kind of the fun of it. It's like <laughs> you're eating it with your fingers, <laughs> and you're messy. I wouldn't have this with my mother. I mean, she's been she's been gone for many many yeah. years. Nineteen eighty one, but. She would look at this and say, it's not clean. Why are you getting stuff over the table? She wouldn't like this. But mm. in our house, it's okay. We just clean it up afterwards. Yes, it is messy food.
0: How can we uh, get this recipe?
1: You know, I know you'll be shocked, but through the magic of the Internet, uh, it's, <laughs> you can easily get this at zorvapastor.org. That's Zorbapastor.org. You can get this recipe, other recipes, and don't forget Facebook.
0: Ready for another call? Of course. At 800-462-7413. 1-800-462-7413. And a listener with us now, Zorba, in Berryville, Arkansas. Hi.
5: Hello.
0: How can we help?
5: Well, I've got two questions, one concerning microwaves and the other concerning barbecue. Okay. Uh, I use microwaves quite a bit for cooking and heating. And I'm wondering if it affects the nutritional value of the foods mm-hmm. that I'm cooking uh-huh. or eating.
1: Uh-huh. Well, not, first of all, microwave is on the electromagnetic spectrum. So it's on the same spectrum as when we put people on the stove. Uh, put people. <laughs> I'm back to the cannibalism. Put people in the microwave. <laughs> I'm back to the- Hey, you're the one who brought up cannibalism earlier <laughs> there. So I'm, st- I'm stuck on it. Anyway, when we put food on the stove. Yeah. Uh, In the oven or anything else, we're using uh, infrared. We're just using another form of electromagnetic radiation. Microwave is just on the same thing. So does it affect food in terms of heating it? It depends on how hot it is. So if we look at canned beans, they have fewer vitamins because they've been heated to a certain amount. Doesn't matter how you heat them, you lose some vitamins when you heat. If you make it super hot and you boil it, it doesn't matter which way you do it, you're going to use some vitamins and nutrition. Some will stay there. Whether it's a microwave, a fire, over a barbecue, it's irrelevant. It doesn't make a difference. So, use it to heat up, or do you actually cook things in the microwave?
5: I do both. I, I cook potatoes mm-hmm. and, uh, and other foods.
1: Sure, sure. Onions.
5: This- the, s-
1: the same as doing it on the stove, no difference at all. The, the, it's it's actually the same. There's when we heat food, we make some things easier to digest. Proteins, for instance, are easier to digest in the body when we actually heat them. They're better for us. Vitamins, we lose some, but as long as you're eating plentiful fruits and vegetables and they're fresh, and some are you know are raw, you're fine.
5: Good to know. Thank you.
1: And then you've got a barbecue question. Yeah,
5: I was wondering if the smoke from barbecues. Uh- if there is smoke if it doesn't Contain carcinogens and affect the food
1: well, you that
5: your barbecue.
1: You know, every year in the barbecue season, uh, this you know this topic comes up because there are uh, there are carcinogenic theoretically carcinogenic things from fat going onto a barbecue and actually you know going out and affecting us. And so, from a theoretical point of view, not a practical point of view, the question is you know do you know you know is this the case where barbecue makes a difference? Okay, now so let's to epidemiological studies where we look at people who eat more barbecue. I mean, there's some areas of the country where you eat more barbecue than other areas of the country. And so, if you would have more carcinogens, you'd, it, which would make a difference, you'd expect it to affect them. In other words, we'll say down in Texas, you know, uh, in areas where barbecue is done much more often, we'll say, than in Minnesota and Wisconsin, just because they have more opportunity to barbecue in the wintertime and in the summertime. You'd expect to see more cancers, and they're not around. We also know if we question people, how do you, you know, what do you eat? We don't question them for do you barbecue your food because it's never been shown that it actually causes cancer. So I tell people... I don't think barbecue actually causes cancer. But if you're concerned, don't barbecue as often. That's kind of where I fit it. But I think it's just a theoretical construct that nobody has ever proven. So barbecue away.
5: All right. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks Thanks for listening. Thanks for bringing up those important we topics. We appreciate though. that. Call at 800-462-7413. You know, this is a, such an important issue. How do we prepare our food in a safe way? And when we look at food safety, the real issue is not barbecue. It's not microwave. It's whether or not we clean our, uh, our sink after we have chicken in the sink because of salmonella. It's E. coli from the ground beef that we have. And if you look at it from the food poisoning point of view, it's mostly animal products where we don't clean the utensils correctly, and then we use it to cut raw vegetables. If we want to look at something that will save lives, that's where the bang for the buck is.
0: We really appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. And before the break now, Zorba, buckle up. Time to get yelled at again. This is Disagreeing with the Doc.
4: Disagreeing.
0: Actually, Zorba, we may have found a listener who's coming to our
4: defense.
1: (laughs) Way to go, baby. Way to go. I feel like Rocky running up the steps at the Philadelphia Art Museum.
0: This email came to us from Glenda... (laughs) From
1: Glenda in Knoxville, Tennessee. Thank you, Glenda. Before you even start, thank you, thank you, thank you. Finally, a compliment. Good grief.
5: (laughs) You sure need positive
1: reinforcement. I need it today, baby. I need it.
0: (laughs) She's referring to a previous email we received correcting Zorba that caramel coloring is indeed made from petroleum products. Here's what Glenda wrote. Dear Dr. Zorba, According to Dr. Google, caramel color is not made from petroleum products. Some sources I researched cite benevolent sources such as common starches (laughs) like dextrose and other carbohydrates. So you were right. I really enjoy your show. Unlike a lot of showbiz docs, You aren't selling dubious supplements, (laughs) and you do update your information and advice when further research comes out. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Did something you heard on the show not sit right with you? Or maybe you just want to help Zorba out of a sticky situation. Feel free to post on our Facebook page or send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org. More of your calls coming up, another topic to talk about, and we'll be quack, quack, quacking up, all coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. More of your calls coming up at 800-462-7413. But Zorba, before our next call...
1: Research on blood sugar control for type two diabetes. Right. Talk about a uh, talk about a hornet's nest. This has raised hue and cry among the medical establishment. The American College of Physicians, a very renowned organization of internists, has said, "Wait a minute. We think we're being too aggressive with blood pressure reduction." And there's something called the hemoglobin A1C, and it measures your blood sugar over a 90-day average. So it's it's much more accurate than just a random fasting blood mm. sugar. And they said, "Wait a." Minute, we should achieve a target of 7 to 8 percent versus a target of 6.5 to 7 percent. In other words, they're saying, wait a minute, the blood sugar you're looking at is too tight. Now, uh, the endocrinologists have come out and said, wait a minute, we think that you're going far too far. Their society said, no, it should be tighter, tighter, tighter. American College of Physicians, in, their, uh, re- in basically their physician paper, said, no, we think there's a risk of hypoglycemia. Low blood sugar, which there is, the lower you make it, the greater the risk, mm-hmm. falls in the elderly, falls among other people, low blood sugar is not good for you, it's bad for you, and the evidence is inconsistent when it comes to reducing what are called microvascular complications, The, the basically the, the complications of diabetes. So do we have an answer here? Well, the answer is, who do you believe? That's kind oh. of where the a- answer you know, comes from. And I think, first of all, you've got to individualize things. I think that's very important. We're talking about type 2. So we're not talking about type 1 in kids, which is used to be called juvenile diabetes, much more common in children. We're talking about type 2. I believe, I've looked at this evidence before in other studies, and I think we are lowering blood sugar too much. Now, you've got to look at the other player in this field, pharmaceutical companies. Dave there's a great boon, billions of dollars in terms of medications for blood sugar lowering. And if you add on a second one and a third one, you add on a copay and you add on more stuff. So the studies have tried to show that lowering blood sugar is better. And then we've got a belief system. We believe lower is better. Well, where'd we come from? It turns out maybe the threshold is too low. Medicare already changed the threshold for people above the age of 65. They've said below seven really isn't good. This issue is for people under the the age of 65. And I, I go with the internists. I think they're really more than the endocrinologists. So what should people do? Yeah. If you're on a glucose-lowering medication for diabetes, this is an important thing to discuss with your doctor. Don't stop any medicine. That's really important. But next time you go in, or if you want to go in to make an appointment, say, do I really need to lower my blood sugar this much? And then, of course, it's always diet and exercise, which are the mainstay of diabetic care. 1-800-462-7413.
0: If you have a question for Zorba, 800-462-7413. And Zorba, an El Paso, Texas listener, joins in now. Hi. Hello. How can we help?
5: I had a a question. Uh, I'm a 20-year-old male. I have two diagnoses, one of uh, Wolf-Parkinson's White Syndrome Mm -hmm. and the other one of uh, Albert Syndrome. Uh I'm not sure if you guys are aware of what Albert Syndrome is.
1: WPW, is a, uh, it's an EKG diagnosis. It has to do with the way the, electric, the electricity in the heart works. Yes. And Alpert's, I vaguely remember, but I don't remember what it would Tell me about it because I, I frankly don't remember exactly what it is.
5: Alpert syndrome is a genetic disorder. It's usually characterized by end-stage kidney disease, mm-hmm. hearing loss. So I'm deaf in my left mm-hmm. ear. Okay. I'm completely deaf. Mm-hmm. I have a 10% hearing loss on my right, uh-huh. and my, my kidneys are at a 3% loss bilaterally including microhematuria and peritonitis. Now, my question is, I don't eat red meat. Mm -hmm. I am lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. What is a good diet for me to follow?
1: Uh, The best diet for you to follow, uh, when I always go back to, is the Mediterranean diet. Let's go into that. So first of all, Mm -hmm. if you look at the way people eat along the Mediterranean Sea, Where they have longevity, they have good life expectancy. Uh, The protein of choice that they often eat will be fish. It turns out uh, fish such as salmon is probably the best fish. Fish that is fattier because fish oil we know is good for you. So salmon or any kind of fish twice a week really fits that realm. If we look at other protein sources, it's less meat. Plentiful fruits and vegetables that are colorful. The more colorful the fruit is and vegetable, the more micronutrients it has. It just turns out color and micronutrients go together. And then moderate amounts of of carbohydrate. Now, looking at your kidneys for just a minute, salt is an issue. We know that salt actually puts stress on the kidneys because it makes oh it work goodness. makes it work harder.
5: <laughs> yes. Sorry. If I vaguely remember, I want to say my nephrologist told me to stay away. From anything that's dark green, I uh, do not know why she might have told me that yeah
1: i'm I'm not sure what that's about, and I would question that, but I just don't know. I don't know yes. with with your syndrome yes. uh, whether or not dark green vegetable you know such as such as yeah. spinach or kale is something, but I would probably call your nephrologist and ask if that's something specific for that yeah. uh, but in terms of seasoning your food, it's something other than salt, so
5: that's one of my biggest problems is, is the sodium i I eat a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even tasted my food, and I'm putting salt on it. And the weird thing is that anytime I do any type of blood work, mm-hmm. my sodium is always low.
1: Uh-huh. Well, uh, once again, the sodium, uh, you don't want to have too much salt. We tend to get plenty of salt in our, in our society, and we know that salt just makes the kidneys work harder. So my recommendation is you find, you go to the store, there are a lot of other spices that are other than salt. There are hot spices, but there are a whole bunch of spice mixes that are something else. And begin to habituate yourself to things yeah. that are spicy without, without using salt. But your sodium may be low because it may be the issue with the kidneys, and that may have to do with the, with, the, with the kidneys, and your nephrologist would be able to answer that. As long as your sodium is not too low. Have they ever said it's too low?
5: No, usually it's it's within the threshold of whatever the lab work for the sodium has to be.
1: Uh, yeah, right. Um, and that means your kidneys are working and functioning well at this particular okay. time. Taking care of your health at this age is a really good thing.
5: Well, I'm like I said, I am 28 years old. I'm not into the whole weightlifting scene, but I do I do cycling, mm-hmm. and I'm probably doing about 100 miles a week. Wow. I I've, I've asked my nephrologist in the past, like hey, you know, what do you think about me taking protein shakes? And she's kind of like, stay away from it. You know, hey, what about creatine? Stay away from it. You know, that's always her answer. Yeah, and I don't know if yeah. she's giving me an educated answer or she's just trying to lecture me. I you think know, she, because she thinks I'm yeah, going to try to take steroids right. or something.
1: That's right. I think she's probably trying to lecture you. If you look at protein shakes, and protein shakes, they're usually either whey protein or they're soy mm-hmm. protein. And they're healthy. They're healthy forms of protein, and I would do that. That's what I would take. And the reason is I would pick one of a store, so, you know, a store that is a reputable store. Costco, mm-hmm. CBS, Walgreens, Walmart, Target, and I would pick their brand, and the reason is then you'll know it's safe. But I would stay away from supplements unless you absolutely know the company, and that's because you don't know what are in supplements. And if you yeah. want to look up anything with a supplement, go to consumerlab.org or consumerlab.com. They both will get mm-hmm. you to the same place. You have to, uh-huh. you have to buy a membership because uh, there's no advertising in there, and they test mm-hmm. their supplements. But other than a protein shake, I would stay away from supplements because, once again, you want to keep your kidneys free and clean.
5: Thank you so much. You guys have a great day. Yeah, thanks.
1: We appreciate that. Call
0: at 800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, time again now to trudge through the murky waters of medical quackery. Let's fire up another segment of Quacking Up with Dr. Zorba. Okay, Zorba, tell us about the 20th century businessman X.W. Whitman and his... Diagraphoscope. That's right, his diagraphoscope.
1: (laughs) How wonderful was the diagraphoscope? He called it the eighth wonder of the world. (laughs) That it's doing more to stamp out disease than the ocean of drugs or the forest of surgeons' knives. That's what he said. That's what he said. He founded an institute called the Advanced Medical Sciences Institute. How wonderful was that? And then he would go around with the diagraphoscope to different to, to different areas. And he said basically. This Eighth Wonder of the World was roughly ten to five times, not ten times, five times its weight in gold. Well, what, is, what is it? What is it? What well, it he, would, like? he would put people in front of it, and then what he would do is he would line them up, and he would see things that were wrong in your body, <laughs> cancer, <laughs> heart disease, and so on. But when they actually when they actually looked at what was going on, he actually had a circular tube filled with colored liquid, uh, and he had a, a photographer's hood. Remember those old-fashioned photographer's hoods that he would look at? He'd bring other people in to look at it, too. And the colored liquid would change. And then he had an electric buzzer in a secret (laughs) place. So he would buzz and he would say, that's your problem. Go see your doctor. You need this out. And he would charge money. He would find things like microorganisms in the stomach and other things like that. Now... What happened is in 1902, uh, the Kentucky Medical School was very interested in this, finding out that it was Charlotte's. In 1912, his luck ran out and he was charged with eight counts of failing to file certificates showing that it was a proper business because he was engaging in medicine without a license. Mm-hmm. and two counts of practicing illegally, he was charged 700 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he made much more than 700 dollars. No, j- no jail time. He, was, he was shut down. <laughs> now you know what made the diagraphoscope obsolete? Um, no. X-rays. X-rays supplanted it. People could actually see bones in their body, and so the diagraphoscope, here it goes, went into the dustbin of history. <laughs> Do you have an example
0: of medical quackery to contribute to this segment? Just send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org or through Facebook. Back to the phones we go now, Zorba, at 800-462-7413. 800 800- Four six two seven four one three. Now we welcome a caller in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Hi.
4: Hi.
0: How can we help?
4: I have a problem with my head. It's very bizarre because my head itches constantly and sometimes so bad that I scratch it raw. And I've tried... All the different shampoos recommended to me, I've tried um, prescription shampoos, and nothing seems to help.
1: You've seen your doctor about this? Yes, several yeah.
4: times. Sub- cool. Several
1: times. Same doctor several times or different doctors?
4: Different doctors. How many? Two.
1: Two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just I just do know if it was two or ten. What have they
4: said? Describe different. different shampoos uh-huh
1: okay. How often and do you sha- how they, often do you shampoo by the way?
4: Two or three times a week because mm-hmm. I've okay. got really dry hair
1: Mm-hmm. so uh has anything worked for you?
4: No,
1: um you've used over the counter like Selsun blue things of yep. that nature. okay. When does it bother you the most?
4: different times. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden it'll just, like it'll be okay for a little bit and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it'll just start itching uh-huh. like crazy. Mm-hmm. And every, I,
1: every day it bothers you?
4: Every day. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you taken anything for itching?
4: Well, I take Zyrtec D.
1: Okay. Zyrtec D. Okay. So that's an anti with the decongestant. Has that helped at all? No. So uh, final thing, have you been given a steroid spray or a steroid lotion to use on your scalp? No. Okay. So a couple of things. First of all, when we itch, we want to itch more. So we've got to break a cycle here, and that becomes, that becomes very problematic. So one way to break a cycle is to use an antihistamine. Uh, another way to break a cycle is actually sometimes to use a low-dose antidepressant. Uh, believe it or not, that can, hmm. be, that can be extremely useful because it just breaks the cycle, and we stop thinking about it. So have you ever been on an antidepressant at all? Okay, what are you on one now?
4: Okay. No. Uh, when I was on it, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Uh-huh. It still is.
1: Uh-huh. Well, you've tried. There are different classes of antidepressant, and sometimes the, the it's called a tricyclic antidepressant, which is what we use for pain. Something called nortriptyline, 10 to 25 milligrams once a day at bedtime, because it will make you sleepy. It will often break that cycle. Because an itch is a pain fiber problem. It's the pain fiber in the body that actually produces the itch. It's an intermittent sensation in the pain fiber. That's the mediator. If you haven't tried nortriptyline or amitriptyline at bedtime, I would highly recommend that you try that.
4: I've and been on both.
1: You've been on both mm. nortriptyline yeah. and did that make a difference?
4: No. Okay. And okay. here's the thing. I do live mm-hmm. with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of back issues. Mm-hmm. I'm on pain medication mm-hmm. every single day. I've got really severe diabetic neuropathy in my feet. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: you're on, you on, on gabapentin. Yes I that. am. Okay. Then my recommendation is to go to a steroid lotion on your scalp. That's the, that's the step that you haven't tried because a steroid lotion on the scalp applied properly can often then break that cycle, and you use it for at least a month, three to four weeks. It's a lotion that you put on the scalp. You then put uh, something on top of it that we use like in the shower to make sure it stays on there for at least 15 to 30 minutes. You don't wash it off, and often if the steroid can just get on the scalp, that's a good chance to actually break the cycle, and that's something you haven't tried. Okay. One final thing. Are you on opioids at all for your chronic pain? Yes. One of the side effects of all opioids is itching. Ooh.
4: But why doesn't the rest of me
1: itch? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> but I just want to tell you something. It's one of the side effects of opioids is itching. So sometimes altering the opioid, changing the opioid can also make a difference, but it can be itching. So just, just as a secondary thing, just think about that. Okay. Thank you so much,
4: call. Right. Thanks for sharing Thank you so us. much for your help, Dr. Zorba.
0: You're welcome. We really appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. And before we head out today, Zorba, we love it when our listeners offer some helpful information or interesting ideas. Always, always, always. The following note came to us from a listener named Larry. He writes, Zorba, Thank you for providing a helpful and entertaining program. On a recent show, you debunked the idea of gin-soaked raisins as a pain reliever for arthritis. It reminded me of what I used to tell my sister-in-law when she would say how well they worked for her— I would tell her that my preference was for (laughs) bourbon-soaked ice cubes.
1: That's very good. That's very good, (laughs) bourbon-soaked ice cubes. Have a helpful tip for Zorba.
0: (laughs) He's always happy to soak it up. Just (laughs) post it to our Facebook page or send it along
1: in an email to... Zorba at WPR.org. Bourbon-soaked ice cubes. That will be the next Folk Cure on... Zorba Pastor on your health. <laughs>
0: maybe maybe next time.
1: If you missed anything
0: during the show or just want to download our show podcast, visit us on the web at
1: ZorbaPastor.org or through Facebook.
0: And don't forget you can call us anytime at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on your health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doctor. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidman. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking that you join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health.
3: For more Zorba Pastor on Your Health, including episodes, recipes, and tips mentioned on the program, visit ZorbaPastor.org. This year we're celebrating the show's 25th anniversary, and we want to hear from you. How has Zorba helped you
1: out? What have you learned from the show over the years? Leave us a message at
3: 800-462-7413.